All right, time for us to check in with Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun this morning. Good morning, Vaughn. Good morning, Simi. And it sounds like we have some visitors in Victoria. Yes, uh, two federal ministers came to visit in Victoria yesterday. Reporters summoned to the Premier's office for a joint uh, media conference. Uh, The Premier, Federal Health Minister, Federal Intergovernmental Affairs Minister... Love is in the air, and not just because it's Valentine's Day. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, suddenly that song was in my head, Love is in the Air. I know, me too. Sorry about that. (laughs) So how often does this happen? Because I don't remember seeing this all too often. Well, you know, the, the B.C. NDP government and the Trudeau government in Ottawa have generally gotten along pretty well, and not just because... Um, they're closer ideologically than the New Democrats are to any other party federally, and because right now the federal wing of the NDP is propping up the Trudeau government. So there's lots of common ground there. Also, I think if you go back to the react, even though BC lobbied harder than any province, I think, to get the federal first minister's meeting and the federal meeting with the prime minister on health care, British Columbia's reaction to the money that Ottawa, the Prime Minister, put on the table was less grudging than most, is I guess the best way to put it. Uh, Limited financing, said Premier Eby, but pretty much indicated right from the beginning that it was better than nothing and it was headed in the right direction. So in exchange, we had the Federal Health Minister here yesterday, and what they're talking about now is the share of the new money, so that hasn't changed, but the share where BC has some say over where it goes. So the federal minister comes out here, uh, let's talk about your priorities, Mr. Premier, Adrian Dix, the health minister, and EB turned around and said, uh, we'll be signing a bilateral agreement fairly quickly. So the provincial priorities of the discretionary money are going to be uh, spending on things like mental health and addiction, support for aging population, so that's long-term care, and help dealing with the shortage of healthcare workers and doctors. So that's where BC's priorities are, and Ottawa's been quite clear that the total amount of money is already capped, so for BC it's $600 million in in the year, but the province can say how it, some of it is distributed. So that's what it was. And that was very positive. And, and the federal minister, Minister Duclos, was generous enough to say British Columbia's handling a pandemic, health care issue, recruitment of doctors and all that has been inspiration to the rest of the country, which is a sort of polite thing you that's say. Nice. But in a way, too, you know, British Columbia has done some things that are looked at right across the country. So I think there was some sincerity in that. Okay, and then they also talked about infrastructure, and this is where I find this gets interesting. Yeah, so the the other federal minister there is intergovernmental relations, uh, Romeo LeBlanc, but he's, you know, what he ended up talking about, uh, and our infrastructure minister was in the meetings, Rob Fleming. So they're talking about um, federal budgets coming up. The federal government does back infrastructure projects across the country, and they wanted to know what British Columbia is interested in. So the federal minister says, uh, you know, Ottawa is open, and he named three projects. So 
Massey Tunnel Replacement. That's an interesting one. That's a big project, and BC's been looking for support on that. Iona Island Sewage Treatment. The federal government does help with sewage treatment, so that one isn't too surprising that it's there. And the third item on the list, the minister said it, federal minister said it, LeBlanc, uh, the Belleville Terminal here in Victoria. Or for the listener who doesn't have any idea what that's all about, there's it's an interesting background story. It's an expensive project, almost $300 million. They have to replace the ferry terminal in Victoria Harbor, the one that is used by the two ferries that go to Washington State. So the Coho, which goes to Port Angeles, and the Clipper, which goes to Seattle, and they have to do it under... An agreement that Canada and the U.S. signed way back in the wake of 9-11. They agreed to improve security at border crossings. They've dealt with airports. They've dealt with land crossings. They're now dealing with marine. And to deal with it in Victoria, they've decided they're going to have to build a single terminal on Belleville Streets, just about in front of the provincial legislature, just a little bit farther along than the old building that had the wax museum in it. They're going to rebuild all that, and the two ferries will dock there, and there will be new security arrangements for people coming and going. It's not far-fetched that that's an issue, Simi. Uh, you and I will recall that the Millennium Bomber, who wanted to blow up Los Angeles International Airport way back in the millennium, uh, 2000, he entered the United States through the Coho right. Ferry that leaves Victoria Harbor. So it's not out of the question that that would be a security issue, and that's what they're dealing with. Because Ottawa signed that treaty, it's not surprising that the federal government would be willing to support the cost of rebuilding the terminal. Okay, so those are all important issues, right, that are going to get addressed. But I also want to just touch on something that we talked about yesterday, because something changed after we talked yesterday. Yeah, so we talked yesterday about the British Columbia's government's weird, unusual, surprising war with its own lawyers. The government lawyers, about 300 of them, are trying to start their own union, and they were in front of the Labour Board with an application to do just that. The government preempted them last week with a piece of legislation that would essentially leave the lawyers no choice but to join one of the existing public sector unions, the, the, the big one for professionals, Professional Employees Association. That's where foresters belong. That's where government engineers belong. Right. It was difficult to figure out exactly why the government had done this, and um, one who shall remain nameless heard uh, our chat and said, uh, okay, here's the explanation. The explanation is that under provincial law, the Public Service Act, really everyone working for central government can only join one of three unions. The big one, the BCGEU, almost everyone belongs to that. But there is a professional employees association where, as I say, foresters and agrologists and so forth belong. And essentially what this piece of legislation says, government lawyers can unionize. They were excluded before. But they have to join. Basically, it forces them, leaves them no choice but to join the public service. Um, employees Association, or so the Professional Employees Association. So that, that's where it's coming from. Um, 
That's an explanation, but there's a couple of problems with that. And the most obvious one is what the BC Federation of Labor said in a posting on its website this week, which is uh, workers should be allowed to join a union of their choice, not a union of the government's choice. And the Fed is saying they should have let the Labor Board decide this issue because it looks suspicious that the government acted before the board, which was hearing the case, could act. You, you sort of get the idea that despite what they say about what the law allows and doesn't allow, they must have been afraid that the lawyers were going to win the case. And that's where we get to a slippery slope argument. Because if the lawyers can form their own union in the public service, not have to join one of the others, what about other workers in government, uh, corrections officers? What if they wanted their own union? Or some other group within government <clears throat> currently belonging, say, to the BCGEU, Professional Employees Association, said, well, hey, the lawyers got their own union. Why can't we get one, too? So the, the, when the government worries about the cost on this, Simi, it's not just that they're worried about the fact that lawyers would have more leverage. They're also worried that it could spawn a whole bunch more unions. Right. But again, this just goes to what you and I talked about yesterday, is that in the end, you're either for people joining a union or not. Yeah, and you can't it's dictate an what type, what kind, all yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah, right. I mean, it's, <laughs> two years ago, the New Democrats enacted Bill 10, which said, which made it easier for workers to join a union. Right. All you had to do was sign these cards. Well, 70% of the lawyers signed these cards and went to the labor board and said, we want our own union. Well, the New Democrats created this option. And the irony is, Simi, of course, some of the lawyers probably drafted that legislation. So it, it, it's a case of the NDP when it suits it in the private sector wanting a freer hand for workers to unionize. Okay, that's where the NDP is coming from. But when it's actually happening on their doorstep in government, they're going, no, no, you know, this would be kind of messy and uh, it might make it harder to bargain and uh, they might have more leverage or anything. So it's like one standard for the government and not a different one for the private sector. Yeah, that's that's the problem that it comes down to here too, right? So this seems to be changing every day, right? There's yep. There's still some updates coming on this one. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, as I said, the Fed is out with its statement on its website. Uh, the Crown prosecutors are a separate organization. They've come out and said the same thing, right? Like the whole principle of labor law is workers choose their unions, not their employers and not the government. So, yeah, it's, it's, to me, it's a thing with fundamental. We've been waiting for the debate on this in the House, and the minister in charge, the finance minister, Katrina Conroy, has said next to nothing about what this is all about. So if they call the, debate, the bill for debate, which they might do later today, maybe we'll get more of the official government version about why hmm. they're doing this. But, Simi, they plunged into this last week with basically no explanation at all. Interesting. All right, Vaughn, thank you. Bye-bye, Simi.